Hello, this is Alex Romanovich, and welcome to Global Edge Talk. Today, we have Tracy Bissett. Hello, Tracy. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure, and we're actually going to talk about some really interesting topics related to finance and financial fitness. But before we do that, let me introduce you to our audience. You are doing so many wonderful things related to entrepreneurs and startups, but prior to that, you were an associate vice president for enterprise risk governance and risk management. Well, that's a mouthful for 15 years. And then you decided to leave all of that and start um, uh, doing something entrepreneurial. You became a, um, uh, a, a person who's involved with something very interesting. Uh, it's called SheEO, which is a global community of radically generous women investors and uh, women who are involved with transforming the way uh, the projects are being funded and women are being celebrated. We'll talk more about that. Then you are also involved with Startup Chats uh, Canada, which is a Startup uh, Canada community. You're a professor at Centennial College, so you teach and you do workshops and master classes. You also have your own channel, media channel, podcasting, and uh, blogging and Twitter channel. And you are a president and chief financial fitness trainer for Bissett Financial Fitness Inc. Wow, you do quite a bit. I do. I usually uh, am up to something and it's all very fun. Excellent. So um, very impressive background uh, that involves both a lot of entrepreneurial things and also a lot of corporate things. Uh, Tell us a little bit about why you decided to leave risk management in the banking environment and start your own business. So I had originally thought when I joined the bank that I would stay there for one or two years, uh, learn some things about how big corporations work and eventually would go into one of the companies I served when I was in commercial lending. Uh, But I ended up enjoying my job, like the people I work with, love the customers. So I stayed, as you said, 15, 16 years. Uh, And then my role was eliminated. So they gave me a very, very fair severance package. I think subconsciously wanted to take a bit of a pause and think about what would be best for me. I had people asking me to take other types of risk management roles in other banks. Um, But I I decided, you know, I'm going to build something for myself, something that I can then um, control future disruption, future restructurings. And so I put together all of the pieces that I like. I love teaching, as you mentioned. I love working with young adults. I love working with entrepreneurs and I supported them my entire career, uh, either directly or indirectly. Um, And it just was really fun for me to help take the mystery out of money for people. And I had done a lot of volunteer activities in my life up until that point, focused on that. So I thought, let's package this all together and see what I can do. And, And then visit Financial Fitness was born. I'll bet it's a lot more fun right now than being a risk manager uh, inside of a very large financial institution, right? It it Uh, is very fun. And I never imagined I would become a podcaster um, because certainly being a risk manager, you're very conservative. You um, usually have a box you can play in. And so my my business coach encouraged me to do it. And it's it's one of the best things that I've ever done. It's really fun um, getting to bring my ideas uh, to two people who are listening and interview really interesting people who can help them as well. So tell me, um, as a risk manager inside of a very large financial institution and now being an entrepreneur yourself, 
also being a woman, um, was it challenging to uh, to go from a fairly uh, conservative uh, or a predictable environment into a very unpredictable environment? And were there pluses or minuses in both places? Tell us more. So I think the one thing that really set me up for success was my financial knowledge um, because of my formal financial education and then serving entrepreneurs all those years. I had a really good handle on that piece. So I was able to think through how long is my severance going to last? How much money am I going to have to make and when to make this business work? Um, But what you realize very quickly is where I used to be an expert at two or three things, now I have to do 50 things. So I have to let go of perfectionist tendencies. I have to let go of trying to do everything myself. Um, I I really needed to um, build a new support system as well. Um, not that I didn't have my old friends or my old colleagues, but they didn't understand the things that I was going through. And so I had to meet a, other entrepreneurs who could be in the trenches with me and help me with the things I needed to know. So definitely a huge learning curve. Um, you ride a roller coaster every day, if not every week, things are going well, things are not going well, things don't go as you planned. Um, but that's okay. And so I think being resilient by nature, and that's been something that's been a theme throughout my life that, that served me very well. And, uh, just being open to new opportunities. So things will come your way when you're open to them, when you're doing good work, you're making legitimate, uh, real connection with people, um, things happen. And, and so I've certainly seen uh, in the five years since I've had the business, things have, have really blossomed and it. it's been very fun. I didn't think it was possible to work more than I used to because I used to do 60 to 80 hours a week in the office, but I, I do work more, but it's because I choose to. Sounds interesting. Um, now, you're in Canada, uh, but you have a global business and you have clients in the United States, you have clients abroad, uh, other continents and so forth. Tell us more about what it's like going from a physical location, obviously prior to COVID, um, to a, being a small but global business servicing global clients. Yeah, it's really interesting. I had never imagined that that's how it would be, but um, the the education and building up financial acumen transcends borders. It applies to every single business. And so I got involved in different um, coaching groups, mastermind groups um, with business owners around the globe. And so when you've got your computer and you have internet, you can speak to anybody. The other thing I find with the financial education that I do in the coaching with entrepreneurs is that even when we can be together in person, a lot don't prefer it that way. It's emotional. They don't necessarily want to be sitting there making eye contact with you in a whole meeting. They're embarrassed about their situation or that they let it get this far or that they don't know things. And so being able to work with people when they're in the comfort of their own environment allows them to be more open. It makes the learning a little bit easier and and they're there's just a a different rapport that's built. And I think there's a safety around it. Um, So I hadn't necessarily decided to pursue all the global opportunities, um, but they came, came to me. And certainly um, with COVID here, I mean, this is a business model that works and it's going to continue that way where I live in Toronto, in Ontario and Canada, there's a lot of construction, there's a lot of traffic. So I don't want to be getting back in my car and, and spending hours a day between meetings, um, wasting time when I can help more people um, by doing it this way. So it's kind of an interesting uh, journey going from a uh, very predictable 
a physical environment inside of a global bank or you know, obviously mm-hmm. the local branches and so forth to an entrepreneur working out of your office or home office. Um, do you think you missed on that to, um, to the actual physical face-to-face environment? And do you think you will go back to that environment or, or will you stay digital and social, um, you know, uh, remote, so to speak? I think I will do as much as I can uh, still remotely um, because it's uh, when you're an entrepreneur, there's so many things to do. And I find that you can make real connection uh, virtually. It's working. Um, But you're not then putting that extra strain on your day uh, where you may get tired when you're driving around or trying to get between appointments where it's it's hectic. You can reduce some of that stress. It's easier to fit in your your exercise and get a little bit more sleep. Um, So I'm going to keep doing that. Uh, With COVID still hanging around, uh, I'm doing all my teaching online as well. I do hope to get back into the classroom with my students um, because I find the experience uh, when, when you're trying to teach a large group of people, it's not quite the same. So I do want to be able to see their faces and uh, be able to help them a little bit more. But we're, we're doing it. Uh, so I, I will stay mostly virtual to answer your question. Right. Let's talk about your clients, your audience. Um, small, medium-sized businesses, entrepreneurs, startups, scale-ups, maybe uh, some mid-sized companies. Um, what are you seeing? What, what, obviously, we're in the COVID or post-COVID environment. I'm not sure if we can call it post-COVID yet because we're, we're kind of in the thick of it. But um, what are you seeing out there? Uh, are you seeing a lot of anxiety? Are you seeing a lot of bad decisions being made? Are you seeing a lot of dependence on government uh, subsidies or help? Um, what is the business situation in general? It's really a range of, of things. We're seeing some companies who've been extremely proactive at either pivoting their existing offer for clients uh, to something online or virtual um, or coming up with something else entirely. And then we're seeing some owners who are not really um, realizing the extent of the situation and that this is maybe the new normal, um, definitely for some time, whether it's not permanent. And so some businesses are flourishing, some are struggling. Uh, one area where I consistency, consistently see challenges is owners not getting paid well and even at all consistently. And, and that all drives back to pricing. So when I start working with clients and they're not making any money and then they're, they're feeling like I'm doing all this work, what's happening? Uh, usually we can look to pricing and see what's happening. And there may be an opportunity to either uh, reposition the value of what they're offering to their existing clients, or maybe we can um, turn that to a different client um, base because maybe they're not targeting the right people. Uh, There is a lot of use of government supports. Um, Interestingly enough, I found, though, uh, when the supports were first rolled out, I was hearing a lot of commentary from individuals and business owners. I'm going to leave those funds for someone else. There's people who are worse off than I am. And I found that very interesting because we're all going to be paying it back in our taxes in some way, shape, or form. And so I've been highly encouraging clients, if you can get access to Um, government supports or other organization supports that are either low interest or no interest that are perhaps uh, forgivable. Uh, There are a lot of grants out there. You should be applying for everything that you can secure uh, because we know that when we have times of turmoil like this, companies who have cash and lower debt levels, they're going to be able to not only survive through any prolonged challenging time, uh, but actually thrive because they'll have resources to invest in their business or keep everything going. Uh, so highly encourage people to to learn about them. If you don't have time to learn about all of those supports, 
find someone that, that can help educate you, follow somebody on social media, uh, who is educating people and make sure you get your fair share. Um, very interesting. Um, what are you seeing in terms of challenges to people who are maybe were displaced from corporate jobs and now thinking of becoming entrepreneurs, uh, in terms of their financial fitness, in terms of their ability to start businesses, is this a good environment to start a business? I think it is. Uh, and I am highly supportive of creating a business plan. I think that um, you need to validate your idea, how much somebody will pay for it, uh, actually do the research, do some testing out with your target market, and actually create a financial forecast. And I'm not talking about a five or 10-year financial forecast, but we've at least got to get six months to a year kind of sketched out so we can see, okay, how long is it going to take for you to make money at this? And how does that compare to how much money you have access to right now? And if there's a shortfall, where are you going to get the rest? Are you prepared to take that risk? Can you and your family go without making money for X amount of time? Um, so having those discussions and being very upfront at the beginning and understand the risk that they're getting into. I think there's lots of opportunity right now in the market to start a business. And I encourage people to do it, but not blindly. Not just this is fun and I'm going to jump into it, but actually do the work. And I personally don't think it's a failure if you do a business plan and it shows that the idea doesn't work. Change the idea. Figure out who to serve, a different way to serve them. But that that's saving you all time and money up front um, so that you don't end up wasting either. Very interesting. What about some of the existing businesses? What type of fitness metrics that you will be looking at, for example, especially in these very unpredictable times? Um, primary one is liquidity. So do you have the ability to pay your bills over the next 12 months? And uh, cash reserves are certainly good, but having access to credit is another way that um, can help businesses. And so for those who weren't applying for some of these supports, their cash reserves were not as strong as others. So getting them into that thinking. Also looking at debt levels. So how much debt is in the business? Is it getting to a point where it's going to be a tipping point where there might be a day you can't make your principal and interest payments? If that's getting near the case or you just want to be prepared in case, have you talked to those loan providers to see if you can defer some of those payments? And so when you actually look at the numbers and you spend time under, fully understanding your financial situation, you're able to proactively make plans for all a variety of what ifs, which is very important. So it's not the day that payrolls do and oops, you don't have enough money. What are you going to do? Let's, let's plan that in advance. So there's a lot of excitement, uh, with entrepreneurs. Uh, they always dream up ideas. You know, I'm, I'm one of them. You're one of them as well, uh, with your own, with our own businesses, a lot of excitement in terms of marketing, in terms of, uh, Hey, this is how much money we're going to make. This is how many clients we're going to have and so forth. But you are kind of bringing them, you know, into reality to say, listen, you really have to um, understand where you are in terms of finances. You have to really understand how to finance your growth or your, uh, you know, risk, if you will, right? Um, how much risk of uh, risk analysis plays into this uh, based on your former experiences or, or how do you apply that risk analysis to entrepreneurs and some of the new or existing small businesses? I think it comes down to number one, their risk appetite and their comfort with risk. Um, if they're going to be super stressed every single day because they're not going to make money for six months, maybe it's not the right thing. So by actually fleshing out the numbers and seeing 
plausibly what this can look like. I'm not talking about making a disaster scenario, but let's do some research and be realistic. If it shows that it's going to be one year before you actually make a profit, can you live with that? Or are you going to be distraught all of the time? Um, And then when you need help, who are the people you can start looking to? And as I mentioned earlier, I needed to make a new group of connections um, to do that. But one of the biggest issues I see with people who start businesses and even who've had them for some time uh, is this lack of accountability for the financial side of the business. And um, you can't secure a path to get your goals. You can't create a strategy to hit your goals if you don't use the money and the financial side to help you get there. So there's calculated risk, as I would like to call it. So if you've done the research, you've done the business plan, things look more positive than negative and you think that you want to give it a shot, I recommend that people go for it. Uh, I don't usually, unless they have to, encourage people to borrow from friends and family because uh, that's just creating a potential issue for the future when the money can't get repaid. Interesting. So you don't think that borrowing from friends and family is a good idea? Uh, It would be my last source. If you can find money another way, I think you should do it. Uh, If you don't have a 100% guarantee about when you can give it back, so that you can preserve those relationships. Uh, because if things don't go well and they need that money for something in their life, uh, maybe it's to buy a house, maybe it's for their retirement. A lot of parents are helping young entrepreneurs with businesses. Um, we don't want to be part of a, a problem where they can't retire as planned because they helped you out and things didn't go well. So you're going to need that support emotionally as you go through entrepreneurship. So you don't want to do anything that's going to put extra strain on your relationships. Makes perfect sense. Um, would you? Is it safe to say that you are speaking on behalf of the investor community as well, or would they? Uh, are they thinking in different terms? I think they're thinking in different terms. Um, investors are looking for that how quick things are going to be able to scale. Uh, what's the value of this idea? And I th- so I think they're coming at it from a little bit different lens from me as a, a former banker. We're still looking for viable operations, but we're focusing on different aspects. So it sounds like you have a fairly uh, predictable formula for the entrepreneurs to make sure that the businesses they start will be successful. Um, is there any um, is there any freedom whatsoever in terms of risk? Uh, in other words, would you allow for any type of risk freedom uh, with the community that you're serving? Um, so maybe phrase that in a different way for me so I can hear um, what they're getting at. In other words, uh, it's not just black and white, obviously, in the, in the business world, in the entrepreneurial world. And if we follow your formula, um, there are a lot of different metrics that if you don't necessarily meet them, maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense. The risk is very high. Maybe it doesn't make sense for you to start that business or to continue with the business operations. What are some of the other metrics that you look at that allow for the business to be a little bit more dynamic, perhaps, or maybe take some risks? Absolutely. And so having cash reserves is certainly going to allow you to take on more risk. I think everything has risk. It's the, the level to which you're comfortable and um, probability or you're really assigning to success. So being able to hustle be able to market, being able to build connections, um, that we can't put a direct value on because that's going to be unique to the individual. If you've got an idea that you can sell phenomenally, 
um, that's going to put you at an advantage over other people. Um, so not a numerical metric, but all of that leads into someone's success. Um, and what can happen as you start your business is you're going to have doubts that pop into your mind. And so maybe you won't market as strong or be as confident in your offering, but you've got to hold the faith so other people can, can buy into it and have it as well. Um, let's generalize for a moment. Um, you've seen a lot of different uh, businesses. You've seen a lot of interesting stories with entrepreneurs and so forth. Is it safe to say there's a notion that, uh, for example, somebody who has a little bit more experience may be a little bit more successful? So this entire discussion of baby boomers versus millennials Mm -hmm. opening their businesses or continuing with the operations or, or merging or partnering or something like this, can you say a few words about that? Absolutely. So certainly in Canada, and we see it in other places as well, two of the fastest growing groups of entrepreneurs are um, people over 50, 55 years old, predominantly women, as well as young people. So we're seeing both of those groups really flourish and start businesses, uh, which is great because I think that where you can control your destiny, um, that's even better. I think that the qualities that make people successful in either one of those groups are people who are open to learning, people who can have confidence in their idea and themselves, um, people who um, will follow advice from others. They're going to find the right people to trust. And so it's, it's actually vetting the source. It's not following anybody who tells you an idea. And I would say that sometimes the the older maybe are a little bit more stuck in their ways at times and maybe not as open to learning. Uh, and maybe if they've had a corporate career and they're moving into entrepreneurship, they might be quite conservative. And so it's going to feel more uncomfortable. Uh, whereas uh, the younger generation certainly is a little bit more enthusiastic, raring to go, um, and just making sure they get the guidance and, and are open to that guidance at the time is going to be really important. The thing that um, older people have on their side is they usually have some, some funds built up. So they have more of a cushion so they can do it slower if they want to get their startup going slower. Uh, so for young people, what we often see is people starting businesses on the side. So maybe while they're going to post-secondary, they're starting a side hustle. Maybe they've got a full-time job and they're starting on the side to see if they're going to like it. And if it works, because there is both of those parts, you got to like, like it, what you're doing. And then you, you also have to validate that idea. So, um, some commonalities, but differences as well. They also have a lot to lose. Correct. Um, uh, any, uh, parting words of wisdom for our entrepreneurs globally in terms of starting a business or continuing with their existing business operation. Obviously, it will depend on what business they're in, but any uh, quick parting words of wisdom for our audience? So you start a business because you're super passionate about what you do and you excel at it. The majority of business owners have had no financial training, so it's not your fault if you don't know that side of the business, Um, but it is your responsibility to be accountable for it in your organization, no matter if it's one person uh, working in it or you're growing your team. So take the time to build your financial acumen every day. Uh, That's that journey to financial fitness that my my company is based on. Take a step forward every day. You're going to have missteps, so if you do, be kind to yourself, get back on track. And make that time in your schedule so that you can focus on the financial part, just as you do on your sales and your operations and your client delivery and and all of that stuff. And so to help you with that, I have a, a money meeting agenda so that you can get started immediately. 
know what you're supposed to be doing in these meetings. So if you, you head over to cashcoach.biz, you can download that and actually put it into action and, and you know what to start with. So cashcoach.biz and, and you can download that money meeting agenda. Uh, by the way, if, uh, a few words for our audience. We will have the transcript of this uh, interview available online. Not only that, we will have a different resources and different sources of information from Tracy on the landing page. So we will be uh, uh, able to share all of this with you as well. Tracy, thank you so much for stopping by and speaking with us. And we're hoping to talk to you again very soon. Thank you so much, Alex. Really appreciate it. Thank you.